congratulate all of our graduates. Your church is so proud of you, and we join your families in that. It is no small accomplishment uh, to reach the finish line of a school year, of a school program, of receiving uh, that diploma and that education. We are praying for you as you embark on your next steps, whether it's to uh, another school year, a different school, or into a career. We are just so grateful, and we are praying for you. We join God, uh, we join others in praying uh, for you. In fact, we have been in a series in recent weeks about prayer, and really taking uh, the model prayer that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 6, and we've been looking at the various components of that prayer and understanding how it fits together and trying to learn more about why Jesus gives it as a model for our prayer life. And, and I hope that uh, it's been a blessing for you as God's Word is living and active. Uh, there is a sequence to the prayer because the prayer has a particular movement. It, it has a beginning and an end and at certain points lead to the next point along the way because it's important in our regular practice of prayer that we learn to begin to pray by focusing on God, focusing on the immensity of God, hallowed be your name, and focusing on God's desire for an intimate relationship with you. That's why Jesus himself invites us to pray our Father who art in heaven. So we begin with God, and we begin with who he is, but then we also then focus right on the heels of that understanding who God is, then we focus on what God wants. We pray, your kingdom come, God, on earth. We, we are seeking in that prayer to align ourselves. You are seeking as you pray something similar to that, that you might have a heart and a life that's aligned to the, the things that matter to God. That's how personal change is wrought in our life. That's how God's Spirit works in your heart. It comes out of God eliciting a desire for personal change in your life, and then you, you ask God to bring that change, because the person you are, when you first encounter and accept that the real Jesus in your life is not the person you should be 10 or 15 or 35 years later. Because there's change that God wants to bring in your life as you align yourself with the things that matter to God. It's not just about pursuing the things that you think are important. That's what all of this spiritual life is about. It's allowing Jesus to be the, the, the leader of our life and, and we go in pursuit of Him, following after Him. We read our passage here in Matthew chapter 6. With that sequence of our prayer in mind, we hear the words of Jesus teaching us to pray. He said, this then is how you should pray. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today our focus is on verse 11. As we pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. This part of the prayer has both personal and social dimensions 
to it. We generally focus, I generally focus on the personal aspects of this prayer, but I think it's broader than that, and I can't think perhaps of a better uh, focal point and theme for our day to think about, to hear from God about, in light of the events of the past 10 days, than to think about both the personal and social uh, portions of our life and life in the Lord. And so... Lest I resent you, nor riches, lest I forget you. 
Give me neither poverty, lest I resent you, nor riches, lest I forget you. The, the prayer for Augustine was, was a, an echo of Proverbs 38. The question here for me is the, the big question with this part of, of the, the prayer model that Jesus gives us. Here's the question, from where does life's satisfaction ultimately come? What is the source of what will satisfy the deepest longings of your life and your heart, the deepest longings and needs of the society, the deepest longings of your soul? What is the source of the deepest satisfaction that can be found on this planet? And that is part of what Jesus is helping point us toward, is that God, of course, is the great satisfaction of the deepest needs of our life, the soul thirst that we come into life with is satisfied, it's quenched when we understand what it is to relate to God in fullness. Some of you might answer with other other answers that our society tells us over and over again. If I, if I just had more health, that would be satisfying to me. If I just had better relationships with other people, that would be more satisfying. That would allow the deep satisfaction of life to come. Uh, some might say, as has often been said in this country, uh, particularly, is more wealth. More wealth would would give me life's deepest satisfaction. And if more wealth is your answer today, I might point you in the direction of many uh, a lottery winner who uh, who have also assumed the same thing. More wealth would bring life's deepest satisfaction. And what many lottery winners discover is that it often brings even more chaos. It brings even more brokenness, and it brings out the depravity in the people around them. So more wealth is not the answer. Philip Yancey uh, says this in his book on prayers. He's listing out uh, various challenges of our modern day that, that work toward widening the gap between the theory of prayer, talking about how does prayer work and, and what is how we engage in it, the theory of prayer and the actual practice of prayer. He, he begins to explore various things in our modern day that widen the gap between theory of prayer and the actual practice of prayer. And among that list, this is what he mentions. He mentions prosperity. Not that prosperity itself is bad, but if prosperity is viewed and utilized wrongly, poorly, then it can be a deterrent to our prayer life. Here's what he says. He says, prosperity may dilute prayer too. In my travels, I have noticed that Christians in developing countries spend less time pondering the effectiveness of prayer and more time actually praying. The wealthy rely on talent and resources to solve immediate problems and insurance policies and retirement plans to secure the future. We can hardly pray with sincerity. Give us this day our daily bread when our pantry is stocked with a month's supply of provisions. I don't know about you, but I hear an echo of what Augustine reflected on out of Proverbs 30. They give me neither poverty, lest I resent you, nor riches, lest I forget you. You see, beloved, when the soul is satisfied in God, when the soul is satisfied in God, we learn the great secret that Paul, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, also learned the secret, he says, that he learned in his life. It was the secret of how to be truly content. How to be content. And it's, a, it's something that is learned through experience of life. 
It's something learned through his own experience. He said, I have learned this because whether I have been in moments where I've had a tremendous amount of things or I've had a very limited amount of things, I have learned the secret of being content that it's neither uh, riches nor poverty, but my contentment is that I've satisfied God in you. Here's how he says it. Philippians, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, contentment is learned through the experiences of life and going through sometimes hardship where we learn the, the, the satisfaction of God, the provision of God, sometimes in seasons where we have more than we need, and praise God for that, but we less not, we need not, we should not forget the hand has provided it, and that's God. You see, that is part of what it means to pray, God, today would you give us our daily prayer bread as we bring in prayer the things of our heart. We, we've set you center in our life, your immensity and your desire for intimacy. We then have sought to align ourselves with the things that matter to you. And now we are ready to come and, and to bring these requests of our daily need. That, that's part of the personal dimension of this prayer. Is that God through it would change our heart. We would see him in his work of provision on display. I tell you, I've been so blessed with uh, some people in our church and others, other stories I've heard who, who have, are telling stories of God's great provision even right now in the midst of the shadow of lost jobs, of lost wages, and watching how God has been providing for them, providing their daily bread and then the, the change that is needed in their life. But this prayer also has a, a, a social dimension as well. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, uh, the great Reformation theologian, uh, he described and, and talked about part of this prayer for him focused on some of the social aspects and not just praying for myself that, that God's daily bread would only be known in my life. Part of the prayer is learning to pray it on behalf of others. And he talks about the importance of economic health in a region or a city or a country, the importance of good employment opportunities for the people, and, and how important a just society was, a society that elevated the pursuit of justice, and how important those factors are, healthy economics, uh, opportunities for good employment, and a just society, how important those were to helping provide for uh, the masses, to helping provide for uh, the peoples, not just me, but for everyone. The, the daily bread that is needed in their life. Here's what he says. To pray about daily bread is to pray against wanton exploitation in business because wanton exploitation crushes the poor and deprives them of their daily bread. You hear what he's saying? Is that the things built into a society are not always good. And so it is good for believers and followers of Christ to work toward the change that, that God would, would have in mind. Wanton, I, I had a fig, I figured in my mind what, what the word wanton meant. <laughs> but when I, I, I struggle to, to define the word in different terms, I'll often turn to a dictionary to make sure I know what wanton is. And, and I had my, my thoughts confirmed, even though I would not have come up with these particular words. Wanton literally means uh, malicious or careless or inhumane or other ways of describing this. So to, to have and 
to affirm business practices that are inhumane or, or maliciously exploiting of other people is what Martin Luther is saying. That it crushes the ability of people to also have opportunity for God to provide their daily bread for them. And so that is part, brother and sister, that is part of our Christian calling. Is to sit beside hurting people. And to do what we can to feel their pain. The scriptures call us to weep with those who weep and to rejoice with those who rejoice. That's part of our following of Jesus is to enter into the, the hurt and the feelings of others. And it's also to do what we can to lift up those who are suffering. That is part of our calling in the Lord. That is exactly what Jesus has come. In Philippians chapter 2, when it describes Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to hold on to, but willingly emptied himself to take on human likeness, to come and to live on this planet. You see, he, he came then to lift the suffering up, to lift us up who are suffering in sin, and to lift us up. And so as you follow the example of Jesus, that is part of your calling as well, is to do what the opportunity, to act in the opportunities that you have to lift up the suffering. And so I am so grateful to be part of a church that, that has benevolence funds to help uh, in the midst of uh, times like this, those who are uh, suffering economically, and we stand ready to help with our church members uh, as you might have need. Uh, but as we conclude our service today, uh, may we leave uh, this week and, and ponder this week the, the personal dimension of this prayer that God today wants you to provide our daily bread. May we also ponder the social dimension of this and, and continue to be people working toward that which God would, would honor and bless in our broader society. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. Living God, we thank you for this reminder today. You are a God of immensity. You are a God of, of largeness and, and incomprehensibility. And yet, you make yourself known. You, you make it so that we are able to know something about you. you. You make it so that we can relate to you. You make it, as you reach down to us, you, you, you allow us the capacity to, to respond to you as we hear your Spirit's work in us. And we thank you for that because you want a real and personal relationship with each one of us. And that is the reason that Jesus has come to live and to die and to be raised again from the death, from death, so that we might know what it is to personally be in a connection with you that's real and vital. And so this day we need that. We need to be reminded of that today. And we thank you for it. I am so thankful that little me, that you come and you know my name, and you've come to call me into your life. And to adopt me into your family. The little old us, insignificant us, you, you call us to be your children and to be your, your, your sons and your daughters and together brothers and sisters in your family. We ask you for today's needs, living God. We ask you in this moment of quiet. I 
As we participate in this worship service, in this moment of quiet, we, we ask you for these our needs at this day. Yes, it is. 